Welcome to my podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild of Nutrition Business. I'm a registered dietitian, business coach, and course creator. My goal is to help you make moves in your business, take action, create revenue streams, and grow on social media so you can set up systems for monetization. Hello and welcome. Today I'm excited to be discussing the highly requested topic, which is imposter syndrome. So today I'm going to be going over what is imposter syndrome, the five types of imposter syndrome, do you have it, what can you do to move past it, and then finally I'll conclude with some personal reflections of how I've experienced and overcame imposter syndrome. And I think it's important to add the storytelling elements when I describe what this means and how it can affect your business because I'm encouraging you to self-reflect. So I'm going to have a link in my bio on Instagram and in the show notes for how you too can take a quiz, which I'm going to discuss today to help identify uh, what varying elements or levels of imposter syndrome do you experience as well. So first of all, what does imposter syndrome mean? Imposter syndrome is, in fact, when you feel like you are a fraud in your own business. It means that you feel like you're uh, suffering from levels of inadequacy, uh, varying levels of inadequacy. So, of course, some of us might have higher levels of imposter syndrome than the next person. But what's most important and what I advocate and teach in my business is to just compare yourself to you and focus on yourself. So today's episode is really just self-reflection and how to improve and um, apply these concepts uh, to improve your business. So according to Fast Company, which is a, a great business resource that I highly recommend, they say that studies suggest 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their career. And I want to say even Sheryl Sandberg, who I'm a huge fan of, um, who, who is the author of Lean In, she's also admitted to suffering from imposter syndrome. I think it's really common and I think it's important to, to self-reflect and identify So, I wanted to ask you, when in your life recently, in the past, as a a nutrition professional, have you ever experienced this? And if you think about a day-to-day basis, or a weekly basis, or even the quarter of the year, when are some moments that have stood out where you felt this way? Who was involved and what happened? Did you have some reaction? You know, the, your stomach felt like you, uh, you know, you felt a pit in your stomach or was it more of a, you know, it hit you later and you reflected in your own personal home and space? Did you lash out and say something that you regretted? How did you handle these feelings of inadequacy and how did that play out in your business? So I'm going to now talk about the big, uh, the five types of imposter syndrome, which is also defined by Fast Company. So these five types include perfectionism, natural genius, the expert, and the rugged individual, and then finally superman or superwoman or super student. So I'm going to briefly explain what each one of these mean. And and as you're listening, think if you identify on any level with these five types. 
types. So the perfectionist is, well, a lot of dietetic students, a lot of dietetic professionals, right? I mean, I can say I suffer with this as well. But anything short of perfect would be considered incompetent if you struggle or suffer from perfectionism. And if you don't personally identify with perfectionism, I am sure quite sure that you've met someone who does. And so if that's the case and you've been involved on any level, maybe a work assignment or you've helped someone with perfectionism, you know that this, you know, this is a huge problem. So perfectionists refuse to, you know, put out work unless if it is, you know, quote unquote perfect. and, And that's like chasing a unicorn, right? There's no such thing as perfectionism. So unfortunately, this condition can really limit your potential. And now going back to Sheryl Sandberg, clearly I'm a fan. Uh, She has a quote that says done is better than perfect. And I think in in line of perfectionism, uh, when you struggle with this personally, or you know someone who does, because we've all come across people with these uh, um, personality traits, it's important to identify it and then learn how to how to navigate those conversations or those working relationships. So I do think if you struggle with this yourself, you have to learn how to acknowledge it and learn how to move past it. So perfectionists often are extremely critical. They don't put out work and they can even procrastinate as well. I want to move on to the next type of imposter syndrome, uh, and that is called the, the natural genius. So they believe that competence equals intellect. And if something doesn't come easy to them, then they're an automatic failure. And so do you, I want to ask you, do you know anybody like this, whether there's somebody who you've uh, who you work with or who you know personally or you've come across you know what kind of a person adopts these tendencies so if somebody only thinks that something that comes naturally to them is a part of their process and their failure if something doesn't come naturally to them oftentimes they're forgetting that a lot of steps are involved and this person this natural genius might not even be aware of these steps so it's important to identify that I'm going to move on now to the expert. (laughs) Just as the name implies, an expert is someone who thinks that they have to know everything. And if you don't know everything, then you're a failure. And I think a lot of us in the dietetic community have acknowledged that we can't be the expert in everything, especially with a topic as complex as nutrition. And there's so many aspects of nutrition from, you know, food studies to community to clinical. And then within clinical, there's so many different aspects. Are we talking about disease specific, sports specific, intuitive eating? Are we talking about weight loss, et cetera? So wherever, you know, you choose your niche, which I advocate and recommend in my business to niche down, you know, you want to become the expert of one category or topic and not, you cannot be responsible for being an expert in everything. So when somebody suffers from the expert complex or syndrome of imposter syndrome, I I think that the struggle is uh, also very closely related to perfectionism. Then we have the rugged individual, and they are the DIY specialist. Do you know anybody like this, or are you like this? This type of person is my least favorite. 
because they think they can figure everything out on their own. In business, as you might know, maybe you've seen, maybe you've experienced, it's just not practical. At some point, you're going to need to either delegate out or you're going to need to hire a mentor or coach. And in order to take your business to the next step, you're going to have to find a way to work with a team. And if you're not at that level yet where you're hiring a team to work for you, then maybe you can be a part of a team. But the key component here is to think practically because DIY, remember, time is money. So if you're trying to learn everything on your own, it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to invest and you're going to have to find a way to grow your business outside of your uh, abilities. And then we finally have... um, we finally have the superman or superwoman or super student. And this person is, again, tied closely to perfectionism. And their tendencies include uh, doing all the things at the same time and doing them all well. So this type of person struggles with boundaries and saying no. And so w- what this does, with the how this ties in with imposter syndrome, is if you think you can do everything, then you struggle with identifying, you know, your... Um, I think you you struggle with identifying your place and with boundaries, and that can cause a lot of issues. So now that we've discussed these tendencies, I'm going to leave a link and let you take a quiz and see. It doesn't, the quiz really just helps you identify if you have a low, medium, or high level of imposter syndrome. And then if you identify with any of the five types that I explained, I'm going to soon tell you how or, or how some research has shown that you can overcome that and, and really try to get a, a better grip, a better handle on your business. So Time Magazine and American Psychology Association say that if you experience any level of imposter syndrome or you identify at all with these five personality traits tied to imposter syndrome, what you must do is first acknowledge your thoughts. Really important. I talk about self-reflection all the time. So you want to acknowledge your feelings. It could be in private. It could be with a journal. It could be meditating. It could just be listening and reflecting for a few moments a day. And then you want to reframe your thoughts. So you want to try to take a positive spin. I think it's important to share your thoughts with a mentor and really get the advice and the acknowledgement from somebody who's had more experience than you. And then you want to reflect on what you do well. So you want to focus on your strengths. Finally, you want to challenge critical thinking, what's practical, what makes sense, what's logical. And then finally, the last recommendation, which I think is really important, is seek some help. And so especially that might be a therapist, might be somebody uh, above the mentor status, mentor relationship, and that's completely okay. Depending on your level of imposter syndrome, it's absolutely important and necessary to seek correct and and proper um, advice. So that if that's a therapist, that's great. All right, now I want to share with you some memories of my past. So I started today with um, just kind of explaining what imposter syndrome is, saying that research suggests 70% of people um, have experienced at some point in their career. I gave you those list of the five um, common types 
of imposter syndrome, what's recommended to come to overcome them. And now I'm going to tell you some memories of my past briefly, because I like to relate to the advice and the stories that I share with you. And the reason I'm doing this is for number one, when I talked briefly about moving past imposter syndrome, I said the first step is acknowledging your thoughts. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this process by telling a story. And I hope that by me sharing some of my past and my struggles, I hope it helps you acknowledge your thoughts and your experiences. And that's the first step for overcoming. And when you're able to overcome and embrace and then take those next stops, you know, reframe the thoughts, share with the mentor, etc. It's going to help you get closer to, to gaining more clarity and direction and taking action in your business. Okay, so the first memory that I have is actually pretty recently. Uh, it's within the last couple of years. I've told this story before several times uh, during webinars I've done in the dietetic community. I've even talked about this on social media several times in posts, stories, etc. I'm going to say it again. So the reason I started social media is because a good friend of mine named Melissa, uh, who also is an entrepreneur and she has a, a master's in healthcare administration and business, she told me a couple years ago, back when I did not have social media presence and I was struggling really badly with imposter syndrome, she asked me, hey, you know, you're doing all this, you know, stuff in the community and you're teaching and really going outside the box here with your nutrition work, why don't you share it? And as simple of a suggestion as that was from her to me, I, I struggled with it and I denied her. And I again, at that point, I was experiencing a high level of imposter syndrome. And I, I came up with excuses telling her why I couldn't do it and why social media wasn't for me. And just some context here, Melissa is a personal trainer, so am I. We worked together for several years, three plus years at Equinox as personal trainers together. And now we're both in, in business. She's in healthcare administration and she has her own company. And then I'm a dietitian and I have my own business here as a uh, accredited provider for continuing education, helping dietitians. So just some context, Melissa is a, a good friend of mine and she is an old friend of mine, meaning we've we've worked together for, for a while and we have a relationship so because she's someone who I value and someone who I know I kind of I ended up reflecting on her advice I remember I went home because at that point I was you know this was a couple years ago in my career I had done things but I didn't see myself as doing things I saw myself as uh, not being adequate. And, and I do, I've, I've admitted this before, I struggle with perfectionism myself. I think I've overcome it, um, but I used to have it bad. I still have it. I, I definitely, it's still there. But I go through these steps that I recommended to you, uh, you know, acknowledging my thoughts, reframing, sharing with a mentor, etc., and it's helped. And I think just pushing myself outside my comfort zone has helped too. Surrounding myself by positive people has helped, like Melissa. So at the moment when Melissa had told me and encouraged me, and I had a lot of excuses, when I went back and reflected and reframed my thoughts, I immediately took action. I started a social media. Now, I didn't start, you know, Facebook and Instagram and et cetera, et cetera. I just did Instagram and I started small. 
I started posting, I started looking up dietitian hashtags, I started like kind of poking around with a community of dietitians. And then after under a year, I started making a business out of it and co-creating a course on it and doing webinars and starting to, you know, really a niche down to the dietetic community. And it all started by me reflecting and overcoming my imposter syndrome. So I just want to show you how important it is to go through these steps that I recommended. And now I have a side business from, you know, Instagram is what I use to, it's it's really just a marketing tool. And I get DMs uh, very regularly about coaching and I coach dietitians through, um, that I've met through Instagram. And then I also use Instagram to promote my podcast. I use Instagram to uh, sell affiliate, which I will do through this podcast as well, because I'm going to list some books I recommend. And then I also have passive income. So I create online courses, uh, several for continuing education. Also my podcast is now available so you can actually uh, listen to my podcasts and get credit for them. Now you have to uh, go through my teachable link and you have to also fill out some exercises and a post quiz because CDR, uh, that's now a requirement. But what I try to do is offer opportunities for dietitians to help strengthen their business acumen, specifically with passive income, which aligns with my brand, which is not trading time for money per se, one-on-one work, but more of how can you create, you know, products like digital products and how can you do that in a way where you're putting work up front and then you're making money when you sleep. That's what passive income is. And, And I know I've talked about that at length on my podcast here. So what I'm trying to say is I've been able to grow my business using Instagram Of course, later I started a podcast, but I didn't have this podcast. This podcast started just a few months ago. I started with just Instagram. And the reason I started my Instagram, the reason I've been able to make money, the reason I've been able to grow my brand is because I reflected, reframed, and overcame my imposter syndrome. And you can too. But first you have to identify where and when have you experienced imposter syndrome. So I really want you to reflect on that because you could be, you know, growing your brand, making money, adding value. And what I do does bring me joy as well. So I'm really glad that I was able to reflect on that. Now, a couple other examples outside from that one. I want to tell you about my first, my first large conference. Okay, because if you've been following me, you know, I'm a regular speaker and I do I mainly started actually with uh, talking, speaking about medical nutrition therapy and behavior change modification for uh, all about nutrition to allied healthcare providers, specifically doctors and residents and medical students. I've been doing that for years. So when I was brand new in my journey and I had only I think at this point, I I wasn't even a regular lecturer yet. I'm pretty sure I had just done a few here and there. But mind you, I do have a history with speaking. So speaking is something that I enjoy and that I would consider a strength of mine. But this was still in the beginning stage of my speaking career. So this was this must have been over two years ago. This actually might have been over three years ago. And I was referred, I I was doing these small um, 10 minute, every quarter, I would speak at my annual autism conference at my hospital. I didn't get paid. It was a 10 minute nutrition bit that I did. I did it a few times. And someone in the audience uh, was representing American Lung Association and actually 
asked someone else if I could speak at a lung association conference. And I got an email and I was blown away. I I almost, and and they were looking for someone who had lung experience, who was a, you know, a dietitian with medical nutrition therapy related to COPD per se. I didn't fit the bill, but they liked my speaking for that 10 minute bit. And they said they'd give me a chance. I had no idea they would even pay me. That's, I mean, my imposter syndrome was so high at that point. I was really experiencing, I was experiencing a lot of imposter syndrome. Uh, My perfectionism, um, just everything. And so after a few series of emails, they had offered me, they asked me to send them deliverabilities and they offered me a spot as an uh, a faculty speaker for 1199 Union, and they offered me $500. And I honestly couldn't believe it. And I've grown a lot since then. I make thousands of dollars for speaking now. But at the time, I couldn't believe they were going to pay me $500. Because at that point, I wasn't a uh, an experienced speaker. I, I couldn't believe it. And I said yes. And I'm going to tell you what happened <laughs> the day I went to speak. So I'm speaking at this conference. It's a full-day conference. It was here in New York. And I was the youngest by about two decades. And when I got there, I was also the second last to speak. It was an all-day conference, and I was there for the whole thing. The professionals who went before me were so good that one of them, you know, the audience started crying. She was a physician who had personal experience with overcoming COPD, and her ability to speak and her visual and her audio and her storytelling elements were so profound that the audience, including myself, got emotional. I felt scared and nervous to get up out in front of everybody and speak because I thought to myself, am I good enough? Do I have enough experience? I can't believe they're paying me $500. Are they going to notice I'm so young? (laughs) Right? And they did. I mean, I had people call me out and say I was young, and it's true. And there's always going to be something, you know, if you're not young, there's going to be something else, some element that maybe people are going to call you out for, and that's part of life. And I remember my body physically shaking. And, and I, I'm not a nervous speaker, but I was. And I think at that point, I was because at that moment, I really didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I belonged with those amazing professional speakers who had so much experience and and so much, uh, you know, they had very strong business acumen. And at the time, I just couldn't believe that they would let me sit in the front row. I couldn't believe that my name was on the agenda. I couldn't believe they called me a faculty speaker. And I spoke and I was acknowledged and, you know, I I had some positive feedback. I would say that my performance was mediocre at best, (laughs) to be completely honest. But, you know, I did it. And that was a really big turning point for me. And to this day, I am not a nervous speaker. I mean, that's not normal for me to feel that way. I speak very regularly. in, in front of, I create curricula at my hospital, I speak at conferences, I speak at symposiums, and I am not nervous. But that time I was. I actually can't even remember another time outside of that where I felt nervous. Oh, I do remember. One of the first times that I spoke um, in front of the pediatric residents, this was my first time, this was several years ago at my hospital. So yeah, it does happen. I do get nervous, but it doesn't happen very often. But I think it's important to reflect on because feeling nervous 
nervous as human. And remember, public speaking, people say that they are afraid. The, the two things people are most afraid of is public speaking and death, I think, in taxes or something, something funny like that. Now, it happens to be that that's not my biggest fear. That's one of my strengths. But I still feel I'm, I'm not, you know, removed from feeling nervous. It still happens. It happens to be something I'm better at but that does not mean I am remiss of those feelings. So I acknowledge that I was experiencing imposter syndrome, quite possibly perfectionist tendencies, and I moved on. And from there, I was able to still grow my brand, you know, continue to make money from speaking. But that really, that was a really uh, important moment in my professional career where I had to wrap my head around believing that I could do it. And I didn't have to negotiate my rate. They just gave it to me. And I, I, I just want to share this with you because I think it's important to reflect and think about situations where you've had to negotiate, where you haven't had to negotiate, where you felt uncomfortable. And when you're able to think these through and identify elements of your personality and, and look back, it's going to help you for your next professional encounter. All right, I've got a couple more examples. I'm going to share with you a couple aha moments and then we're going to then we're going to wrap up. And then I'll give you a, the quiz to take and exercise and then we'll call it a day. So, I want to tell you about my interview with Dr. Marion Nessel. So, for those of you who don't know, I interviewed her. I think it must have been a year or a year and a half ago. It might have been more like a year and a half ago. So, I I sent her a cold email. <laughs> And I said, I am a, you know, a graduate of New York University in nutrition. I actually told her that I knew some of her friends because one of my um, internship rotations was at a school called Calhoun. And the chef there is a famous chef and he runs a really fantastic program with um cooking from scratch for the the kids and his program has been implemented and carried out I believe you know throughout the nation is, is really amazing actually one of his previous chefs adopted the program in the South Bronx at a charter school and I also worked there with the charter school so I've seen what he does implemented at, at scale and it's really amazing so he is a very well-known chef his name is chef Bobo and since I had actually met her through him through a speaking years back in my internship I reflected on that I did a little bit of name dropping I'm gonna be honest and I, I wrote her this email and I said hi Dr. Mary Nessel you know my name is Libby I've met you before via Chef Bobo during a internship rotation through school food uh, additionally you know I unfortunately didn't take your course during my grad school and I would be interested in interviewing you for Instagram etc so after a few emails back and forth she agreed to let me come to New York University to her office during a certain time and do a quick video. And I did about a 10 minute interview. It was great. And I asked her a bunch of, it was more like general questions. I mean, really just to showcase her brand and to also uh, share that with my community, which I did. I put the short videos on my Instagram and on my YouTube. And I remember now, for those of you who don't know, Mary Nessel is a huge name and she is the reason I became a dietitian. So I read her book uh, when I was 19 and was very moved by her work. I still am. I'm moved by her her personal brand, um, her work in the community. She's been acknowledged by you know multiple people and bodies throughout the nation. She's really prolific in food justice, food studies. She co-founded the food studies program at NYU, and I uh, I love her blog. 
so she's great, um, and she's no joke. She's very serious with what she does. I've also heard her speak at conferences. She's great. She's fantastic. So I was a little nervous and intimidated to interview her. Again, that imposter syndrome, right? How could she possibly take any of her time for me, right? So when I interviewed her, <laughs> there was even a point in her interview where she had asked me, I remember she said to me, and, and just for some background here, this was my second interview I had ever done. So <laughs> I went for the big, big guns here, right? Because she's a big name in nutrition. I would say she's the biggest. And I, I interviewed her without much experience. I didn't necessarily tell her that. But I went into the interview in her office. I set up my tripod with my phone. And, and guess what? You're going to laugh. My phone, after, and I got a good 10 minutes. But my phone actually went, uh, it stopped. And it said, you know, maximum full capacity, you're done. And I remember feeling embarrassed because like, oh, geez, you don't want any tech issues. But the reality is these things happen. And of course, I could have had a backup. I could have brought a professional camera or whatever. I could have had, you know, better equipment, better this, better that, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? It is what it is. It was embarrassing. And I'm sharing it with you because it it kind of goes in line with that imposter syndrome and uh, am I good enough to interview her and am I allowed to make mistakes and is it okay if I'm human? And she made some comments saying, well, I bet you won't do that again. And she's right. I mean, it's not a mistake you want to repeat twice, but it made me feel at the moment, at the time, it made me feel like I, you know, maybe I wasn't adequate, prepared, ready to interview somebody of her status. And I'm sharing that with you because I don't feel like that anymore, but at the time I did. And I think it's important when you are in the company of superiors and those who are accomplished for you to, to reflect on your feelings and, and reflect on how you can overcome that. And I'm still proud of myself for interviewing her. And it's okay that she was only my second person that I ever interviewed. And it's also okay that I wasn't 100% prepared. So that is an example of me feeling completely and utterly inadequate. So fast forward to today, I want to tell you that uh, a couple examples of how I've overcome imposter syndrome. So those were three reflections. And now a couple examples would be um, rate negotiation, which is something that I'm very good at now. And then also I want to tell you about an opportunity that uh, was gained from networking. So I created a curriculum to teach pediatric residents medical nutrition therapy, and it's it was IRB approved, and I'm still pending with the statistician for uh, the results for research. But in that process, I had networked with a uh, the former nutrition chair of American Academy of Peds. Um, his name is Bob Carp. He's a physician. And he wrote the teacher's guide and he wrote a, a, you know, a guide for pediatric residents all about medical nutrition therapy. And it's in, you know, medical talk. It's, it, it is about nutrition, but it's very, very much medical speak. So I think it's important to have leaders in the field, in the medicine field, speak to um, those, their, you know, um, speak to students and residents in a way that really resonates with them that's about nutrition. So I had him, Dr. Karp, because of his work, I had him come and guest lecture. I did the curriculum two times, two academic years, and he came once each year. From that relationship, now he didn't get paid and that counted as a work hour. So I actually did not get paid for that curriculum. I did, I have gotten paid for other curriculums. I did not get paid for that curriculum because it was during work hours and so it was counted as a part of my work day. 
But after that, we've, we, you know, we keep in touch, and now he's actually paying me. He's hiring me as a consultant. He's paying me uh, several thousands of dollars to uh, review and, and critique uh, some modules that he has from a private grant that he's working, that we're working with, the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we're going to uh, implement a curriculum and specifically target uh, associations, uh, resident programs where they have lower passing rates because almost 10% of the American Academy of Peds board's exam for um, to be a pediatrician is nutrition-based. And so it's important to add the element of teaching um, in a certain style, which he teaches, which is active learning so that those residents can gain those skills and that knowledge and therefore pass the exam. So I am part of that. And I wanted to mention that because I've been involved, A, because I networked with this physician, B, because, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, having a guest lecture for a curriculum, and then also, C, I would say imposter syndrome. Remember when I first, that example, when I was at that conference and I was scared and I didn't think I could be in the company of these, you know, renowned professionals. And from that moment, you know, several, three years ago, I was able to reflect, reframe, and then get to that point where I was able to have a guest. I'm able to be a co-lecturer with the former chair of nutrition special interest group for the Academy um, of Pediatrics, American Academy of Peds, and now he's hiring me. So I got to this point by overcoming my own imposter syndrome and feeling like I have a space, I've earned it, and I am you know, fully capable, and you can be too. All right, I'm now going to leave you with just a couple aha moments. So if you are an entrepreneur or you feel like you have entrepreneurial tendencies, you should definitely listen to JLD, John Lee Dumas. He did have a podcast every single day of the week. He interviewed entrepreneurs. He's now shifted his focus, but uh, definitely check him out. His podcast is amazing. And what he has said, one aha moment that stood out to me, is that he says his first 100 episodes sucked. And he's and he's even played them. I can't remember which specific podcast because he's he's had he's done thousands of podcasts. But he said that his voice, you know, his tone wasn't great and he didn't have the energy he has now. And he's come a long way. And he says that he hasn't taken them down and he's left them because he wants everybody else to see that you don't you know, you have to start somewhere. And although he's embarrassed about it, he's showing he's leading by example. And so I found that that's always stuck with me. And he mentioned that you know, months ago, maybe even a year ago. And like, if I were to say one thing I remember from John Lee Dumas, and I'm a big fan of his work, it's that he really talks about overcoming imposter syndrome. And he shows you how he's done it. And again, by sharing and showing and storytelling, that is helping you reflect and reframe. Also, another, uh, just I'm going to mention two other aha moments, or three others. Gary V, just in general, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you know, you know I'm a big fan of him. He is the, you know, millennial. He is the face of our generation for social media. And his philosophy is just to give everything away for free. And of course, he's paid a high amount as a keynote speaker. He has a digital media company. He has, you know, he's an investor, very, very wealthy, author, etc. But his philosophy is just to help as many people 
people as he can. And I think that that is a, a new idea where a lot of people are afraid of giving away content for free. I've even had, I had a really kind message that was just so touching. And a nutrition student told me she appreciates that I give away value for free. And she acknowledges that that can be tricky. And that's just a summary of, of her email. And I, that was really kind. And I want to say that I, I love giving away information for free. Now, if it is specific and catered to, to someone's, you know, personal brand and their business development and, and that uh, information or that exchange of conversation is more like business coaching, that is something that you would have to sign up for and work with me one-on-one. But in general, if it comes to basic concepts and, you know, quick information, I'm happy to do that because I think, you know, this style, my podcast, et cetera, my ability to answer your questions, like that is part of me helping you. And that's important. Okay, uh, two other aha moments. Vanessa Van Edwards, who wrote a book that I've listened to several times on audiobook. I will mention it. I have a blog post about it. Um, it is an affiliate link. Uh, it's called The Science of Succeeding with People. And she talks about introductions and the significance of introductions. And she really, it was such an aha moment. And I want to explain why and how this ties in with imposter syndrome. She mentions that introducing somebody and talking about, you know, their skill sets, abilities, unique qualities qualities, their authenticity is so important because it's actually, it makes you, you empowering someone else is a good representation of who you are. And I found this, I mean, she explains a lot more eloquently in her book and I really, really like her. She's great. And check her out on YouTube also, but her book is great. So what I like about this is that I feel it's so important to really um, showcase your colleagues and other people that you're working with and showcase them in such a positive light. Not only because it helps showcase you, but because it's really important to collaborate and connect and empower other people. And it's uh, ironic because when I when I listened to this and heard her talk all about introductions and how important it is, ironically, I had just written an email and introduced somebody and I did a very poor job at introducing them. I failed to mention um, them in a positive light. I, I didn't say anything poorly. I just kind of glossed over how to properly introduce somebody, whether it's an email, a meeting, etc. So the reason I bring that up is because I think in the whole, in light of the imposter syndrome conversation, it's really important that you are, you know, being a team player, acknowledging other people, being kind and positive and self-aware. Lastly, um, very specifically related to imposter syndrome, Amy Schmidtower, uh, who is one of my favorite vloggers. She has a book called Vlog Like a Boss, which is also in my affiliate link. You can check it out in my blog post. I'll link it in the show notes. And uh, her book, Vlog Like a Boss, says that people have three setbacks with recording video. So she is talking specifically about video. She says that people fear failure, like they think their personality isn't good enough. People fear equipment. They think that they don't have everything they need. Therefore, they can't get started. And they lastly fear return on investment. They're just not sure, you know, what can they get out of recording a video? And I think I love this. And I've actually done a talk and, and referred back to Amy Schmittauer and these three philosophies from her book, because it's just so she captured this so 
well, so eloquently. And I think it's important because it all feeds back to that imposter syndrome, right? Fear of failure that intertwines with perfectionism. And then, you know, I don't have enough equipment. Remember that um, content is always going to trump production. And again, that kind of uh, leads into the whole perfectionism tendencies as well. And then return on investment. Again, it all has to do with imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? And so when you're able to, again, acknowledge, reframe, share your thoughts with a mentor, remember what you do well, challenge your own critical thinking, and then lastly, if you need to, of course, seek a professional, a therapist, and talk to somebody so that you can overcome any level, any varying level of imposter syndrome that you have so that you can not only you know add value in your business, but that you can also be a happy productive professional and get more important things done. Thank you so much for joining today. I will look forward to chatting with you next week. Are you ready to build impact and create revenue streams in your business? Go to LibbyRothschild.com and apply for coaching. Also, check out my course opportunities such as Beat the Algorithm to learn how to set up systems for monetization in your nutrition business. 